Welcome to Emerge Everywhere. I'm Jennifer Tesher, journalist turned financial health champion. As founder and CEO of the Financial Health Network, I've spent my career breaking down silos by engaging with innovators across industries. And now I'm sharing those conversations with you. Meet the forward-thinking leaders challenging the status quo and unleashing creative new ways of improving financial health by seeing their customers, employees, and communities in 3D. There's nothing like a crisis to remind people of the need to be more prepared the next time. Insurance is a critical tool for managing risk, especially in a country like ours, where increasingly citizens are more responsible for bearing those risks themselves. My guest today, Chris Smith, sees the noble purpose of insurance. He's a veteran of the insurance industry, spending over two decades at MetLife before taking on the job of executive vice president of group benefits at Guardian Life. Chris appreciates that behind every policy is a person, and he's passionate about helping people manage through life's biggest challenges. Chris, welcome to Emerge Everywhere. Thanks, Jen. I'm excited to be here to talk with you. You've been in the insurance business for a really long time. Uh, And I've noticed that folks in insurance tend to stay in insurance for a while. Why do you think that is? What keeps you doing this work? Insurance has a true noble purpose. And it is a business, but what we provide to our customers um, is something that's really valuable that gets to the heart of our of our discussion. Um, we're selling something that that people need um, uh, to to do well in life um, and and be successful. We had a customer um, and one of their employees um, had an event where their their young child was diagnosed with cancer. Um, and, um, and that's a, that's a, that's, you know, having kids myself, they're a little bit older, but, you know, just thinking through that on how impactful, you know, a, a young child would, you know, what that would be, um, to go through cancer have cancer and go through chemotherapy. The father had critical illness, um, with us. And because of that, they had a 50% uh, addition on their children, um, which was, was, which was a fair sum of money. And we got a call from the customer about how important this was and what it was going to mean. And so we took some actions. We made sure that that this was processed. It was easy. Um, and we sent the checkout um, within two days to um, to the employee, to the father. But then our sales rep went above and beyond, knowing the, this, uh, the sales rep had a parent who had gone through uh, cancer treatment, had, had a young child of his own then reached out to make sure it was okay, but then sent a small gift card to, uh, to, the, young, to the young child to say, hey, you're not alone in this. Um, oh. We're here for you. Use this money to buy you know, a movie or an app for your iPad to keep your mind off of what you're going through as you're going through chemotherapy. Mm. And then we got a, a thank you note from the young boy. And it was so impactful to, to people that it just shows that the good hearts of people of really going above and beyond in, in, in the industry. And the gentleman, his name is Joe Jordan. He always gives these heartfelt um, speeches about living a life of significance. And, and those have already always stuck with me because whether it's group insurance or individual insurance, we help people live, we, we can help people live that life of significance and what we, what we provide. Um, mm. and, um, and it's really a special industry, I, I think, for what we do for our customers. So both in, in this 
previous role at Guardian around operations and then at MetLife, you know, you've spent quite a bit of time executing on large scale innovation and change initiatives. Um, And yet you have always been really focused on bringing customer voice into the process and engaging employees in that process. Um, I talk a lot about the need to get out of our own silos and to be able to see people in 3D, see them in all of their complexity. Um, and it sounds like we um, we sort of share that thinking. Tell me a little bit about your thinking and your approach in making sure that um, even when it's about things behind the scenes, that you're finding ways to bring people into the process. That's a great question and something I'm, I'm passionate about. And I would say half joking and half serious. I could sit in New York all day and make, de- make decisions. I'll probably break the place um, because it's the people on the front line and our customers that know what they need. If, if, you, if you can unleash, this gets me going, if you can unleash the power of the front line, they talk with our customers day in and day out. They know what delights our customers and they know what frustrates our customers Often, though, they feel like their ideas and their thoughts go into this into this black box, um, and they don't know whatever happens with them. And so, you know, we've, we're doing a couple things to make sure that people's ideas get out and and are put are put into action. And so, one of the things um, that we're that we're doing is we're rolling out our our new strategy. You know, everyone companies always look at strategy and group benefits coming in as a leader. You look at the strategy. We're creating this two-way dialogue um, and, um, and, and cascading it down, but not just one way, but again, the feedback to come back up to make sure that people really understand where they're going. And in fact, today, I just had lunch with 10 people leaders um, because I wanted to make sure that you know, when, we, when we send the message down, are we getting it back? And so I asked people to do this. Um, and then you know, out of the people that responded with, that gave us the feedback, it's okay, I'm going to pick 10 random people. I sent them DoorDash gift cards so I could buy them lunch virtually. Um, would love to do it in person. <laughs> um, and we chatted for an hour about what they saw, what their team saw that, um, that they liked. Um, where do they need more information? Um, and you could see, because we had people from the underwriting organization, we had people from state um, filings organization, um, we had people from you know, different from our product area, and what I really loved about the conversation is because you're using the time to like make sure that people understand it and getting their feedback, they, you can start to see, they all see how they fit in into the, into the strategy. And we're thinking about, you know, how do you show this? And if you think about products, every part of the company and how important products are to be successful in, in the market, but everybody in our organization touches product development. And once they see how they touch what, what is going to make us successful in the business, then they get excited uh, about that. Um, we've also put in place, and this was you know a few years ago, but we're still using it, um, this, an, an innovation program. How can they help us solve our, our issues that we're, that we're grappling with? Um, on it, but it's so important to listen to to the employees and to make sure that they know that they're being heard, and then to give them the tools, not just to tell you where the issue is, but then to give them the tools on on how do you solve the problems yourself. I'm a big believer in the lean management system, um, or you call it the Toyota way, right? About about giving giving employees the tools, whether it's root cause problem solving or or huddles and 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 dashboards, so they know kind of how they're all doing, um, and letting them go and empowering them to make the make the changes. So we're having this conversation just past the year mark 
since the pandemic lockdown began. And the last year really opened a lot of people's eyes to the reality that they weren't prepared financially to handle a major economic shock. And we know that insurance is designed to protect people against risks or against these shocks. And we often talk a lot about the numbers of people who are uninsured in whatever kind of insurance we may be talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, But even among those who do own insurance, we find that nearly half of them lack confidence in the insurance sort of being there when they need it, which has always struck me as being strange because I always think of insurance as really being peace of mind, that you're buying peace of mind. Um, And so to have about half of uh, insured people say that it's not giving them any peace of mind, it seems like problematic. So in our own research through our financial health pulse, we showed that in August of 2020, 52% of people in America said that they were very or moderately confident that they would have sufficient insurance to manage an emergency. That's about half, but it's been falling. So it was 58% a year before that. It was 61% in 2018. So people's confidence in the years leading up to the pandemic, it feels like it's falling. And for um, Black and Latinx policyholders, they're twice as likely as their white counterparts to lack that confidence. I'm curious, what, what is that about? Why, why is that trend happening? Is this COVID related? Is it something more? What can you, what can you share about that? Sure. And I think if you, if you look back at the research, it was even falling pre, uh, pre-COVID, right? So from 18 to 19 and 19 into, into 20, I think a lot of the research that, that, that you have is really around the, the medical uh, the medical side. Um, and, and while I don't have, you know, we're not in the medical, um, business, you know, we do see, you know, a rise in high deductible in, insurance plans as being one of those, one of those causes and what that could mean, um, because a good portion of, um, of people have deductibles that, um, are $2,500 or, or higher, but a good percentage of Americans don't have $500, um, saved for emergency situations. And so you have this dichotomy of, well, we have medical insurance, but there's a high deductible. So if something, if something happens, then it, it could be a significant impact to them. And, and you know, and, and helping them, helping people understand that. My son, um, who uh, just turned 26, um, and he's a freelancer, so he's buying um, he's buying plans on the exchange um, in, where he lives, and, and luckily he had me, who's experienced in insurance, to talk through all the different you know the plans, whether it's a silver or a bronze, and what's covered and what's not covered, and you know what does the deductible mean, and and are there and, and so it can be confusing for people to to pick the right plan because there's many different variations on on the exchanges, and so. Are there ways that people, are there decision engines that can help people for realizing what's important for them? Because all of us are individuals. And I'll talk a little bit about our partnership with Naya. And so my needs for insurance products, for for supplemental health or dental insurance or other things are going to be different because my kids are different stage in life. My kids are are older and out of out of college and now have 
you know, jobs of their own um, versus someone with young children at, at home or somebody with, with no children. And so that's why we think our partnership with NIA is extremely important because NIA, what it does is it uses artificial intelligence and it brings in a whole lot of data about me as an individual. And I, I've used it to help me make sure I'm picking the right the right plans. Um, and it, it brings in with the permission of the employee, obviously, is to bring in your medical, you know, your claims data to ask you about your lifestyle. And then it brings in information about the benefit plans. And it can make sure that you're choosing the right plans, you know, help you decide of what the right plan is for you as an individual versus a, a big versus a just a general part of, of society. You know, there's a lot of research that we've done um, that in open enrollment, um, a significant portion of people find it confusing um, with the information. They don't know what is the right benefit plan for them. And so that's why we're investing is to, um, is to do that, whether it's with NIA or simply put campaign to make it more approachable to people to under to understand what they're buying and, and why it's important for them, and to give them the confidence that this is the right for them as a, as 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 individuals. Right now, Guardian as a company has been around for a hundred and sixty years. Amazing, um, and you are serving twenty nine million people through a range of products: uh, life insurance, disability, dental, other benefits both for individuals and through the workplace and also um, through government-sponsored programs. What trends are you seeing among your own policyholders, particularly in your business through the workplace, particularly during this time where people have lost jobs? Do you see people dropping coverage because they can't afford it in this moment? Um, Do you see more people cashing out on their life insurance policies? What, What can you tell us about what you're seeing? Sure. Um, it's, it's a good question because COVID has had a significant impact on, on, on all of us. And, and we're all you know, dealing with our own situations um, uh, with this. Um, and so we see a couple of things happening. The first one I'll talk about is the increasing importance of, of technology. Um, and we've seen uh, an increase, um, particularly with small employers, on the use of benefit Ben Admin uh, technology mm-hmm. um, to where in the past it was maybe more, it was bigger companies um, who did that. Um, and they weren't as focused on, on smaller companies. But they know that with now a distributed workforce, um, where people are, you know, a lot of us are, have been working from home for the past year. It, it's not the same from an enrollment perspective. You have to be able to um, uh, to ease that. And we're seeing more focus on on, on Ben Admin. Talked about our, our our NIA of helping people using technology to help choose what the what the right benefits are for them. We've seen an increase in, in the desire to have supplemental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, coverage, just like there was, we saw an increase in people's desire for life insurance um, because with a pandemic, it, it puts your own mortality and, and you want to make sure that your family's taken care of if, if something happens to you. But also, you know, the desire to have um, supplemental health um, coverage, because if you do get sick, you want to make sure that you have the money to be able to pay your bills or to, or to do what you need to do to take care of yourself. Um, and we, we've seen those. We've seen an increase in, um, in the use of uh, self-service um, and, and the wanting to make that easier for people. We've put in 
they can talk a little bit about this, our Hugo um, interactions platform that allows people to interact through with a chat bot um, mm. to get the service that they want to make it easier um, for them to, to do business um, with us because a lot more is going digital. I mean, very early on in, in COVID, you know, we basically had all hands on deck to accelerate a lot of our digital transformation because people weren't going to be in the office. And, you know, how do we think about getting um, evidence of insurabilities or, or EOIs when people apply for life insurance? We, you have to make it easy for people to do. And, and I think the industry was on this pathway because, Insurance can, you know, sometimes people think it's difficult to do business with insurance companies. And, and, and you know, much like my relationship with my bank now, it's all on my phone. Um, mm-hmm. I hardly ever go into a bank branch anymore, only when I have a problem or I need to get into a safety deposit box. And I think people people have that expectation now for the relationships. Amazon, I, be, I think I became best friends with Amazon Prime <laughs> um, because it became so easy for me as, oh, I need this and it's, oh, it's free shipping. I just got to go and click. My wife says I get a, just about a package every day um, from, from Amazon. But people are looking for that, that ease of doing business. And I think it accelerated a lot of our work to, uh, to make that easier. So it's a big time of change in the world and it's a time of change at Guardian. Your former CEO, uh, Deanna Mulligan, just stepped down at the end of last year after a decade at the helm, and mm-hmm. Andrew McMahon was elevated to the role. And while you've been in the insurance industry for your, nearly your entire career, you're relatively new at Guardian, and you recently took on a new role as head of group benefits and as a member of the operating committee. So I wonder if you might be able to tell us a little bit more about sort of big picture where Guardian is headed as a company and the issues that are top of mind for you. Certainly it sounds like automation um, and technology is at the top of the list, but I'm sure there's some others as well. Sure. And I'd be happy to do that. And, 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 you know, when I was brought into the organization, uh, I was brought in to run ops operations and service for the company. And I spoke with Deanna and Andrew as part of the process and they're just wonderful people and, and really great leaders. And excited if you haven't read Deanna's book, Higher Purpose, like it is a, it's a, it's a great read and talks a lot about the changes that Guardian has gone through um, over, over years. And a lot of, you know, how do we, Look at the changes in the way in the way that we work, and now Andrew coming in as a leader and really looking at you know how do we create a much more contemporary and, and modern insurance company? You know, a lot of the focus you know that we have is is around growth, um, our culture. Do we have the culture that we have, and and then taking pride in the mutuality. Guardian is a mutual insurance company that's owned by our policyholders, and that's important to us um, that we have the long term stake, long term view in in mind, um, and and we look out for the best interests um, for our for our customers. And it's an exciting time at Guardian as we're as we're looking at our, our purpose as an organization. Um, and becoming, a, a, and we have been, but reinvigorating, becoming a purpose-led company, um, and what that what that means. And I gave you talked a little about the stories about uh, about our two customers um, that we worked with, and that for me gets to the purpose of why we're here and what what we're doing, um, but also bold goals um, and group benefits. Um, has a growth agenda and looking at what that means from a technology perspective, looking at what that means from the products that we have um, in market. It's an exciting time. It's an exciting time to be here and the change that you know that Deanna started and Andrew is is continuing on 
um, to lead the company forward. So you run the part of the business that delivers the insurance through the workplace. And the pandemic has really focused attention, uh, has focused executive attention on the needs of their workforce. And, you know, coupled with the rise of stakeholder capitalism, it's really driving increasing investment in the financial health and wellness of workers. We certainly hear and see that from the companies that we engage with. What are you hearing from your employer customers on this front? How are they thinking about it? How big a priority is this? And what are you having to do to augment or change your offerings or your tools to support their their needs? Our, our customer needs are 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 changing because they're the needs of their employees are are changing. And so whether that's you know the growing importance of of mental health um, and the you know the partnership we have with our you know our, our our employee assistance program and making sure that those resources are there, we're also looking at um, you know how does mental health play a role in in disability? Because often, sometimes when people are disabled, there's an underlying mental health issue that can be a secondary issue. So how can we? We're looking at the technology to help look at mental health. So while mm-hmm. you're you're helping people with their main disability, we're also providing resources from a from a mental health perspective because that that is growing of importance as we're as you know, I think as creatures, we're, we're social, um, social beings. Um, yeah. And it is difficult for, for me. I, I've seen my son, you know, twice in the last year, even though he only lives, uh, you know, across the river in, in mm. Brooklyn. Um, haven't seen, you know, seen my mother once. My father he lives in another state. And, and so we've been very separate, you know, from, from friends and family members um, and, and separate from work colleagues and the desire to, to get back into the office, that need is coming. And so focusing on, on, the, on the mental health aspect is important to us. So I mentioned the importance, the growing importance of supplemental health. Um, so when people do get sick, um, they know they have some protection against the rising cost of, of health care or you know, the deductibles that they have. Um, the importance of making sure that with our NIA uh, partnership that the importance that people know that they're choosing the right benefits for themselves as as individuals as well. So, and then and then you know you mentioned in the beginning is how people are are underinsured. And I think people are are seeing that now because half of people have no disability insurance. You know, mm-hmm. three in ten people have no have no life insurance. You know, and that one in three members, this struck me, one in three members who have a high deductible health plan don't have a a health savings account or another way to pay for those medical expenses. And so this is growing of importance. And I think this this past year um, is showing that. And what really struck me early on is the lines of, you know, when you saw the lines of people in um, for food banks, the lineup for food and just showed you how precarious people's financial situation is and how important it is to to address that. Another benefit that sometimes gets left towards the bottom of the list for employees is disability insurance. Why is that? Why does it matter? Talk a little bit more about about that product. Sure. And, and, you know, half of uh, Americans do not have disability insurance. Um, And it's so important. I, I have a big passion around this because the value that it, it provides, and, and not just from an income replacement. So if you think about when, unfortunately, someone has an accident or they're sick and they have to be out of work, 
how do you help people get back, return to health and, and return to work? Um, and so it's not just about paying a percentage of, of income. It's having the clinical practices or the vocational practices um, to help people return to health, return to work, because people want to be a productive part of the workforce. Um, employers want to have a productive workforce. Employees want to be at work. So do we have the practices um, and the capabilities to help people get back to work sooner? Um, unfortunately, sometimes people aren't going to go back to work, but then they have the safety net of the income replacement that if they're going to be out, they can have their income replaced and continue to have um, the ability to to pay their bills and to do what they need to to do what they need to do, we're going to be in market now is offering guardian absence solutions um, to where we have an integrated approach. Because if you can understand when somebody is going to be out on, on with an absence leave or a short term disability, if you believe that they're going to be a longer term disability, you can start to treat it very differently from the beginning and give them access to the services and the capabilities. And, and you can start to help people get back to work and, or look at, at different, different vocations that they could, they could work in. Um, and, uh, and it's really important that, that people take this seriously because unfortunately, people do get sick. Um, and there's a stat here. It always surprises me the number of people who have an accident or have to be out of work because of a disability. And it impacts a big part of the workforce. And so- Well, having- we saw that. We saw that with the pandemic, right? Yeah. So maybe someone uh, didn't have a permanent disability, but they got COVID um, yeah. and they needed to be out of work for some period of time. And there was a big debate in this country about what an employer's responsibility was there, right. whether or not individuals had yeah. disability insurance. And, you know, that leads me to one last question. You know, you mentioned the safety net. And one of the many debates we're having in this country is whether the safety net that we provide is sufficient and sort of whose job is to provide it. Uh, the the, the empl- employer really ever since the end of World War II has played a really big role in providing a safety net, particularly for those who are employed. Um, and, you know, over the course of the last two decades, maybe a little bit less so. There's questions about the government's role in providing a safety net, particularly those for those who aren't employed. How do you think about where the onus lies and how much of this risk are we ultimately putting onto the shoulders of people, everyday people, as opposed to folks who've got you know bigger balance sheets who can maybe handle the risk? I, I think it, it it is a public-private partnership that's going to be the successful the successful model. Um, I think there's a place for businesses in that. I think there's a place for for government in in that. And I'll give you an example. It's a little bit different from what you're asking, but I'm going to talk about our partnership with Team Rubicon um, (laughs) that we we just uh, announced. And we made a financial grant, but we're also offering volunteers. So Team Rubicon is an awesome organization. It's an organization of uh, veterans focused on disaster relief. They started in, in 2010 where eight fellow veterans who had, who had left the service um, had gone to Haiti to, uh, to help after the big earthquake there. And they went into areas that, um, that other relief agencies um, weren't. They started with eight. Now they're well over 100,000 volunteers. Wow. We're partnering with them on um, getting vaccines um, into rural and underserved communities. Because it, for every one person giving out the vaccine, it takes 10 behind the scenes, whether it's directing traffic mm. or helping with logistics. 
Um, and so this becomes a, a public-private uh, partnership on multiple angles. So you have the, 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 the government playing an important role of ensuring that vaccines are, are getting out there. Um, and then you, have, um, then you have sites in different states, but then you have organizations like Team Rubicon who are providing volunteers um, to ensure that they have the staff um, in these locations. Then you have companies like Guardian, and I encourage more companies to get involved with Team Rubicon, um, who are providing both financial support and also also activating our volunteer network. And, um, and we're activating our dental partners, is giving them the opportunity to volunteer with Team Rubicon or our financial representatives, because it, it's going to take all of us, whether it's the safety net or the COVID vaccinations, to, to do our part. Um, and I think um, both both the government and private institutions are going to play an important role for this because it's going to take more than any one area, um, and I think I think I think corporations can play an important role in in uh, in helping helping it succeed. I think that's a great place to end our conversation, Chris Smith. Thank you so much for joining me on Emerge Everywhere. Thanks, Jen. Happy to be here. This has been Emerge Everywhere, a Financial Health Network production. I'm Jennifer Tesher, and I'd love to hear your ideas for future guests and your reactions to the show. You can connect with me on Twitter at Jen Tesher. If you liked this episode, please review the show and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about the work and research we do, please visit emerge.finhealthnetwork.org. See you next time.